Civic Collection Day in BC. That's really important. I'm sincerely hoping we're gonna have a change. The top issues facing voters no matter where you live. It was our responsibility. It's every individual's right to vote. And the long lines adding to strong early voting turnout. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us on this election day in municipalities across BC. That's right, after months of all candidates meetings, door knocking and handshaking, it all comes down to this. A night that will set the stage for the next four years at city halls and school boards where decisions are made that directly affect you. We will have extensive coverage once the polls close at 8 p.m. But we begin tonight's news hour with Paul Johnson in Vancouver, where the campaign has been heated and the field is crowded with candidates. When the history of this election is written, no one can say the weather kept people at home. Lines were forming Saturday morning at polling places, and with the exception of a temporary glitch with the power at one poll, Vancouver's civic election looked to be coming off smoothly. We have a lot of locations that are busy with uh, voters showing up to vote, which is fantastic. Vancouver's chief election officer, Rosemary Hagawara, was also gratified with the turnout higher so far than the typically dismal participation seen in a civic election. As you know, our advance numbers were higher than we had in 2018, so the, the, um, the turnout is great, and I'm hoping that the turnout will extend into today as well. Despite the optimism about early voting, we did a little survey of what Vancouverites intend to do, and one of the top responses was not going to bother voting at all. And they had a lot of different reasons for that. Because it's, it's become so complex, I would rather vote for for just the mayoral category. And so I didn't look into it to see whether that was possible. And he's not alone. We canvassed citizens in Vancouver's Carisdale, West End, and Commercial Drive neighborhoods, where the myriad of parties and candidates on the ballot appears to overwhelm some, along with this old standby for flaking on election day. I don't see that anything that they would do would really make much of a change. As for those who intended to vote, the top two concerns were these. Safety in my neighborhood. Housing. Still housing. Now if you're suddenly inspired to do your bit for democracy, there could still be time. The polls close at 8 and anyone who's in line by then won't be turned away. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Now, Paul mentioned that a power outage, the polling station at John Oliver will stay open until 9 p.m. All right, aside from Vancouver, another dramatic race to watch tonight is in Surrey, where incumbent Mayor Doug McCallum is in a dogfight against a list of high-profile candidates who want his job. Julia Foy reports. I'm disgusted with Surrey politics. Some Surrey voters couldn't hide their passion. There's a certain person that I want to get out of office. Very much so. Some voters couldn't hide their anger. I want to make a better city. And others want to make a difference in their community. Whatever the reason, the lineups kept growing outside schools and recreation centres around BC's second largest city. When there are competitive races, important issues and important personalities running, that tends to drive turnout up. Election BC confirms advanced voting of close to 36,000 people was up close to 50% over 2018 levels, and Saturday has been busy. 
Hot button issues over the last four years include plans to build a new SkyTrain extension, a new 60,000 seat stadium, and transitioning from the RCMP to the Surrey Police Force. Policing and crime have emerged as, as perhaps the next issue. Of course, in Surrey, the transition to the local police force away from the RCMP has been contentious for years. One of Surrey's eight mayoral candidates will soon find out who will be in the spotlight to fix several community issues. I think mental health, our schools, our police, our RCMP, all of the above. Experts say don't be intimidated by the long list of candidates. Coming in and voting for even one or two people can make a big difference. Polls are open until 8 o'clock tonight. Julia Foy, Global News. In the capital city, voting has been an exercise in patience for much of the day. This morning, the city of Victoria took to social media to warn wait time, warn of wait times of up to an hour at some polling stations, even telling people where they could find shorter lineups. In Vic West, there was a 30 to 40 minute queue, while at Cook Street Village, the lineup snaked around for at least an hour and a half. With very few incumbents seeking re-election this time, Victoria will be electing a brand new mayor and many new faces to city council. We've been waiting for 40 minutes and somebody just came out and told us that there's um, no lineup uh, over in, on Richmond Road. So we're going to Hillside Mall, so we're going over there because we're just tired of waiting. There's so many people. So it's awesome that so many people are voting. I didn't expect the lineup to be this long in the middle of the day. I understand it's been longer uh, previous hours in the morning. Um, I just do it as a sense of duty. I always vote because I like to be able to complain. And if I haven't voted, I, sh I shouldn't be a complainer. Well, that, is, look at it. <laughs> that is wisdom, I think, for a lot of people that they ignore. All right, turning now to Kelowna, where we are also seeing what seems like an increase in voters heading to the polls. There are 13 locations to cast a ballot in the Okanagan City, and as of 1 p.m. today, local elections officials say more than 20,600 ballots were cast today and in advanced polls. Many people clearly wanting to have their say in what happens in City Hall, given the issues of homelessness, affordability, and crime and others feeling like it is simply their civic duty. I think it's always important, no matter what level of government, that you uh, make a choice as to who you think is going to run the city best. I missed it last time, so I wanted to be able to say I at least had uh, um, the right to make a voice. If I didn't like what was going on, I had a right to choose when I actually voted this time. I think it's important, and with the number of people who do come out to vote, I think every vote is that much more important. And an apparent steady stream of voters into 16 polling stations across Kamloops today. That follows record-breaking voter turnout in advance polls with more than 5,000 people voting over three days at two locations there. The city's deputy chief election officer says more than 1,000 mail-in ballots were requested. And no lineups outside the Prince George Civic Centre, but plenty of people seen heading into one of the eight polling stations across that city. The incumbent mayor, Lynn Hall, not seeking re-election. Six people are running for that job, and 20 candidates are vying for a seat as city councillor. And as Paul Johnson mentioned earlier, the clear weather across most of the province, an added incentive to get people out to vote today. However, many voters telling us there are many issues and that is what's motivating them to make sure their vote matters 
in their respective communities. I think the biggest issue facing all of Vancouver Island, including Duncan, is water. As we are experiencing this year, we have an extended summer happening, which means an extended drought. This has become a bit of a reality for us. We also have had an influx of new residents, and so there's more stress on water. We're seeing our rivers being compromised. It's just so important. Our watersheds are limited. We're on an island. Sustainability, affordable housing um, for families, it's really important to me as, a, as someone who's been born and raised in Victoria. Housing is one of my biggest issues. Well, it's not my issue right now, but for other people, I just think about the young people trying to start out in life. Cost of living, uh, the creep up in inflation and uh, house prices, um, yeah, that, that's kind of the biggest thing for me. It's just everything is becoming more and more expensive. Uh, I own a small business and uh, the, the cost of doing business is just uh, growing so fast, so quickly. We will have more Decision 2022 coverage coming up tonight, including a look at uh, some, a look, a closer look rather, at some of those hotly contested races. Plus, as always, we'll have analysis from Richard Zussman, Jazz Johal, and of course, Keith Baldry as well. But first, after a break, Chinatown fights back. You are a lot more powerful than you think. How a random crime was the catalyst for residents to take their safety into their own hands. And a trail of destruction. VPD bust a driver who should never have been behind the wheel. More positive news today when it comes to the fight against the Eagle Ridge Fire near Cypress Mountain in West Vancouver. West Vancouver Fire and Rescue says the fire is contained with no growth overnight. Cooler temperatures and a lack of wind are helping the firefight. Crews are focused on the ground now and no helicopter crews are being deployed at the moment. Several trails in the area are going to remain closed until further notice. The fire was sparked Friday morning and still there's no word on what sparked the flames. An air quality advisory remains in effect due in part to smoke from wildfires burning in B.C. and in Washington state. An early morning collision in Vancouver involving a prohibited driver sent one person to hospital. At around 4 this morning, Vancouver police say officers attempted to pull over a Cadillac being driven by a man who was prohibited from driving Canada-wide. He allegedly failed to stop, colliding with another car near 7th Avenue in Hemlock. The driver of that vehicle was taken to hospital but has since been released. A man in his 50s has been arrested and police are recommending a number of charges. With crime and public safety key issues in this municipal election, Vancouver's Chinatown is not waiting for any help from City Hall. As Kristen Robinson shows us, the community is fighting back against random attacks and graffiti vandalism in its own way. Down, 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 and he goes, he goes. For the first time in three years, Ryan Diaz will be offering a free women's self-defense seminar at his Chinatown gym later this month. And it couldn't be more timely. It's just the reality of things that are happening right now. There's attacks all the time right now. The martial arts instructor not pulling any punches about what's going on outside his doors. In July, his surveillance video captured a suspect knocking down a mother and toddler. In September, a delivery driver was stabbed by a stranger up the street. And earlier this week, a 93-year-old man was pushed to the ground while walking to his Chinatown bakery. I'm sad. I'm really sad that that's happening. I'm sad for everyone. I'm sad for the victims, the obviously number one. I'm sad for the people doing it because, you know, maybe they have mental problems or, you know, they need some help. 
This Chinatown a lot different than the one he knew growing up. Even me walking down the street, I check my back, I'm careful now. Like, I'm not scared, but I'm aware. Along with random attacks, the community is battling vandalism, including racist graffiti. For the first time Saturday, TD Bank Group sponsored the Chinese Community Policing Center's cleanup with a $10,000 donation. We understand that Chinatown is also a very important uh, cultural history uh, for our Chinese Canadian, and that's why we want to actually lend a hand to uh, help revive Chinatown. TD, which has also been hit with vandalism, understands the challenges Chinatown is facing. For Kenneth Yoon, who immigrated from Hong Kong as a child, it's personal. Chinatown is actually part of uh, like a play a really big role uh, while growing up in Canada. With Chinatown's survival at stake, it's no time to kick back. Diaz is seeing huge interest in the October 22nd event, where he says he'll empower women to believe in themselves and know they're a lot stronger than they may think. This is my way that I feel that I can give back to the community. We want to do our part to help our neighborhood and our city. Kristen Robinson, Global News. The suspect accused of bear spraying a senior in a possible hate crime in Chinatown earlier this year is wanted again. 44-year-old Patrick James Duncan allegedly made racist comments to an 87-year-old man and bear sprayed him in the face on East Pender Street back in May. Duncan was charged with assault with a weapon in late August and a BC-wide warrant was issued for his arrest. He was taken into custody and released in late September with no financial obligation. Duncan was set to appear in court this past Wednesday when another warrant was issued for his arrest. And the suspect accused of attacking a longtime Chinatown security guard is also wanted again. 44-year-old Kevin Aaron Hibbard was first arrested and released in August after police say Harold Johnson was repeatedly punched by a stranger while making his rounds in Chinatown. Hibbard was charged with assault, but this week that charge was upgraded to assault causing bodily harm. He was arrested and released a second time after a BC-wide warrant was issued last month. Hibbard was set to appear in court this past Wednesday and is now wanted on another warrant. Just ahead, far from home, but still fighting. Ukrainians who found a second home in the Okanagan rallying to save the one they left behind. Also ahead, hot flashes and your heart. New evidence they might point to a more serious condition. Iranian Canadians and their supporters not letting up in their pressure on the Iranian regime. For the fifth straight week, a rally was held at the Vancouver Art Gallery in solidarity with demonstrations around the world over the death of Masa Amini, allegedly at the hands of the morality police in Iran. In Iran today, a large fire is burning at a notorious Iranian prison housing political prisoners and anti-government activists. Media in Tehran are reporting gunshots. The American-based Center for Human Rights in Iran says an armed conflict broke out within the prison walls. All the scenes we are seeing, it's, there is a fire there, and we heard the, there are lots of students being arrested by Iranian regime, and lots of you know like high school students, university students, and also we had so many prisoners already there, and so like there is something going on. The family are urging go to the you know like prison, Evin prison, and so we are so scared what is happening there. 
A rally in Kelowna today to support those in war-torn Ukraine. Many forced to flee the country have landed in the Okanagan. And as Jaden Wozni reports, the demonstration is also a chance to bring together people who've made the same difficult decision to leave their homeland. This rally in Kelowna's Cary Park is the first formal introduction into the community for some of the Ukrainian newcomers in the Okanagan. Dozens showing up, including many proudly waving flags and a show of support for their home country. It's also a chance for them to find much-needed supports. Many Ukrainians, they want to find the community where they will get help, uh, where they will not only help, I mean financially or something, but even informational help where can they find friends, uh, they can find community and not just go somewhere where they will be lonely. As tensions continue to rise in Ukraine, the organizer of this event, Denis Storozak, says now is the time for everyone to get together to get the message across that the terror and fear caused by Russia must come to an end. With Russia formally annexing Ukrainian territory and uh, with all these uh, threats that uh, they throw about nuclear uh, usage and uh, mass mobilization in Russia. So a lot happened in the last uh, couple of weeks that we wanted to get uh, people attention to. Many of the Ukrainian newcomers here at today's rally said that they are thankful for the warm welcome they've received in the Okanagan so far. It's much different than it was back home, but everyone's being like really nice, supportive. Everyone's uh, like my school also is really great. Everything's going amazing here. So. Uh, it's fun at school. Uh, I made a lot of friends there. It's really fun. But for these two siblings, as great as their time in Canada has been so far, the hope for them is that one day they can return to their roots in Ukraine when it is safe. Well, I definitely miss the, the food home. I just, like, miss the feeling of home. The grassroots group organizing these events, Kelowna Stands with Ukraine, is always looking for financial donations and volunteers to continue its work both here and in the war-ravaged country. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Kelowna. In Health Matters tonight, there is growing evidence that hot flashes are not just uncomfortable, but can stress the heart and could lead to a heart attack or stroke. New research presented at the annual meeting of the North American Menopause Society in Atlanta shows women with more frequent hot flashes are more likely to be at an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, which is the leading cause of death in women. Doctors believe the findings suggest women with these particular symptoms may benefit from targeted cardiovascular reduction initiatives as they age. Still to come on the news hour, Halloween horrors. Will there be as much Halloween candy on those shelves as we've seen in previous years? Probably not. No, I'm not kidding. The impact of supply chain issues and inflation that might make you scream. Ball tradition at UBC has returned with its first in-person event in three years. The Apple Festival made its 31st year this weekend at the UBC Botanical Garden. The event began decades ago when volunteers wanted to celebrate BC's diverse range of apples. We started in 1991 and Anne and Margaret decided they were FOGS volunteers and decided that people in BC and Vancouver and Lower Mainland needed to know where apples came from and the diversity of them. So they started with 2,000 pounds and here we are at uh, well over 20,000 pounds today and depending on the uh, weather, how many pounds we get from the orchards. Lots of sunshine out there right now. The event continues, by the way, from 11 to 4 on Sunday if you missed it today. Check it out.
All right, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell with a look at our forecast. And it was positively hot today in some <laughs> places, Yvonne. Very hot. We've been tracking record-breaking heat over the past. These are unofficial numbers, but just to give you a sample of some of the heat that we did see through the day today. Now, Squamish getting up to 29.1. That's the hot spot across the province. Old record set back in 2002. Chilliwack, 27.2. Old record back in 1954, up to 22.8. Port Alberni pit metals also included within that, soaring up to 27 degrees. And a few other slots, just a sample, even West Van getting up to 24.8. Lytton 23, Lillooet and areas near Whistler into the low 20s. It was a hot one today. It may be even war hotter for tomorrow and we have that potential once again to see some record-breaking heat. A shot outside right now, it is, it is hazy rather so do keep that in mind. We'll continue to track that. Air quality advisory is in effect. We're sitting at 14 and we still have the Humidex though, feeling closer to 17 and that's out of the airport. Our temperature trend by the hour as we get in towards this evening with that haze and then soaring once again through the day today by the late afternoon i anticipate those temperatures even away from the water 26 factor in the humidex will bump up to 27 air quality advisory so this includes metro vancouver extending in towards the fraser valley the Similkameen, as well as the northeastern corners of the province the peace included within that all courtesy mostly from the wildfires that are burning in bc as well as in washington so if you do have respiratory issues you'll want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors within the last hour the air quality health index now sitting at low but it has been ranging through the day today between low and up to moderate so something to keep in mind especially if you're planning on spending some time outdoors for tomorrow our drought level still sitting at level five the highest we can see that even extending for all areas across the island. Now there is a big change on the way. We still have this ridge of high pressure. It'll be hot, likely the peak of the heat for tomorrow. But then later on in the week, Thursday, Friday, we'll likely start to see a transition. And this is much needed. It's still a few days out, but there's that potential that we'll be tracking that wet weather. Rain moving in for Friday. We'll be watching that very closely. We're hoping to see a significant amount that'll improve the drought and improve conditions across the province. Now the northern half of the province along the coast, we're sitting at 18 through the day for tomorrow into the low 20s for much of the southern interior areas along the south coast for the island inland Port Alberni that was a hot spot through the day today and along the lower mainland it's really away from the water we can see that temperature soaring 26 27 especially when you factor in the humidex it'll be hot and sunny in the coming days and then we're hopefully tracking that rain on the way late day Thursday and leading in towards our Friday so far guys Definitely use it. Thank you, Yvonne. Been a long time since we've seen raindrops on the graphics. All right, thanks, Yvonne. Yes, Halloween is fast approaching, of course, and the celebrations could be disrupted by inflation and supply chain issues this year. As Ann Gaviola shows us, waiting until the last minute to score a deal is not recommended this year. For the first time in a long time, Crystal Westland is going all out for Halloween. Anything that is getting the kids extra enthusiastic right now is, is a gift after the last few years that they had. Her daughter Coco and others in the neighborhood have big plans. I'm really, really excited for Halloween and Halloween is probably my favorite um, holiday. We're planning on doing some more cobwebs and we'll go and decorate our tree black and you know, orange. Lots of spiders. According to the Retail Council of Canada, 86% of us are planning to spend as much or more on Halloween decor, candies and costumes this year as we did last year. And with inflation raging at multi-decade highs, many households are finding ways to do more with less. 
No, I'm not kidding. A surge in demand coupled with lingering supply chain snarls means selection may not be as great as pre-pandemic. Shipping and transportation costs remain high and labor shortages create hiccups for manufacturing and transportation. Retail expert Tandy Thomas urges people to be flexible and not to delay important purchases. If you're relying on being able to do a quick trip to the um, drugstore on Halloween, if you run out of candy, um, those are strategies that may not work for you. You might find that the shelves are bare by the time we get right up to Halloween. Households that are already stretched financially may have to opt out of Halloween or cut back. Karen Claire Kosky is reusing decorations from years past. It just all depends on what I have in the cupboard, what I bought at yard sales, or what I picked up off the side of the road. It's not about the amount of candy, it's the greeting and the camaraderie and this, the whole feeling. Experts say creativity is key. Finding these different ways to make use of the resources that we already have at our disposal is going to be good for all of us. Um, it helps to reduce overconsumption, it helps to reduce waste. Anne Gaviola, Global News, Toronto. <laughs> is any of it short for a stormtrooper? <laughs> <laughs> looked, looked a little bit, looked a little bit short. You remember that? Does anyone remember that? <laughs> Princess Leia. Okay, forget it. That's right. It was you, just my nerd moment. Yeah, 100%. You know, if it's Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever, yeah, you yeah. got it. I'm there. Okay. Yeah. All right, Barry's here with a preview of what's coming up in sports. Heartache. For Canuck Nation. Yeah, that uh, that one zombie kind of reminded me of the Canuck power play a, a <laughs> oh, little bit today. Yeah, like Wednesday in Edmonton, the Canucks had a great start today in Philadelphia. And like they did in Edmonton, the Canucks could not hold the lead. They blew another one today. Highlights when we come back. Join Variety, the children's charity, and Global BC as we celebrate Variety Week October 17th to 21st. Tune in to Global News as we share stories that highlight the hope your help can bring. Variety Week on Global BC. All right, big sports day in BC. Here's Barry. Mm -hmm. All right, thanks, guys. The uh, Canucks played game two of their season opening five-game road trip this afternoon in Philadelphia. Canucks had a great start in their opener Wednesday in Edmonton, but gave back a 3-0 lead thanks mostly to their own inept power play, which went just one for eight. Canucks hoping the special teams were just a little more special today. Bruce Boudreau looking for a career win number 600 with assistant Mike Yo. Yo was the Flyers interim head coach last year. John Tortorella, the new head coach now. Early on, first shift, Thatcher Demko makes a huge save off the flyer rookie Wade Allison shooting out the pad. And then a minute after that, Canucks on the attack, Kyle Burrows joining the rush, and he rips the wrister short side on Carter Hart. That's a great goal. It's his second career goal. I think he should shoot more. one nothing Canucks. Later in the first, Vasily Podkolzin, nice play to spin and then find Connor Garland. He fires past Hart, and the Canuck makes, uh, making the most of their chances up 2 nothing. Torts not amused. Second period, though. Flyers turn it over. Nils Hoaglander to Elias Pettersson, who finds Andre Kuzmenko on the doorstep. This time, though, Hart makes a big save to keep it 2-0. And then the Canucks got in penalty trouble. They took five in a row. And on the fifth, it caught up to them. Tony D'Angelo's point shot makes it through. It's 2-1. Canucks finally get a power play, but they turn it over. J.T. Miller, the guilty party. Scott Lawton sent in alone, and that's a perfect shot. Posting in, second shorthanded goal allowed in as many games. It's 2-2. 
And this time Bruce is not happy. Third period, Flyers will take the lead again. JT Miller fumbling the puck in front and Travis Konechny there to pounce on the good break for the Flyers. They had their first lead 3-2. Canucks had a late power play, pulled the goalie. So a six on four, Bo Horvat in that bumper spot with the quick release, but Carter Hart made the save and the Canucks fall 3-2. Second straight game, they've copped up multi-goal leads on the road. Uh, D-man Tucker Pullman left the game after the first, did not return. Canucks were not specific. Here's Bruce on that power play. Well, we 0 for 5 on the power play and they're 1 for 5 and they score a shorthanded goal and there's the difference in the game. It's been both games now, it's special teams. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, if we don't shore that up, we're going to be in trouble. And they're in Washington on Monday. The Lions can move a step closer to clinching second in the West and a home playoff game if they can beat Winnipeg tonight. The Blue Bombers have locked up first place. Therefore, they are resting some of their key players tonight, including quarterback Zach Kalaros. That should be good news for the Lions, but they still have to have the proper mindset taking on this Bombers light team. I've been on both sides of that. I've been on the teams that rested people and they've been on teams where you, they weren't and if you get caught up in that stuff it's a bad road to go down whoever they line up with is going to be motivated and and playing good football and then it's also the cfl you don't just swap out a whole team um, whoever they line up with we expect to we expect them to be a really good team Playoff baseball in Seattle for the first time in 21 years. Game three, Mariners and Astros. Seattle down 2-0 in the best of five. The smoky haze from the wildfires there providing the backdrop. Bizarre play in the fifth. Jose Altuve pops to first. Ty France makes the catch, then tags the runner who was just off the base. It's a double play. Keeps the game scoreless. Top ninth, Astros had second and third one out, but Kingston, Ontario's Matt Brash struck out the next two, including Jose Altuve, to end the threat still scoreless. This was a marathon into the 14th. Mariner reliever Matthew Festa posts the M's 18th strikeout of the day. Hey, but Seattle has struck out 19 times themselves. They're still going scoreless in the 16th. In the National League, defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves needing a win to stay alive in Game 4 in Philadelphia. But the Phillies have had their hitting shoes on in this series. Number 9 hitter Brandon Marsh takes Charlie Morton deep to right, a three-run homer. Philly up early. They led 7-3 in the eighth, and they get some insurance. Bryce Harper, a solo blast. And the Phillies are moving on to the NL Championship Series, take out the defending champion Braves in Game 4, 8-3 the final. And Women's Rugby World Cup from New Zealand. Canada taking on Italy. Canada pummeled Japan in their opener last weekend. Canada down 5-0, but Paige Ferries with a burst through the Italian line and scoots in for the try. Ferris is from Red Deer, Alberta, but plays her club rugby with West Shore RFC on Vancouver Island. 12-5 at the half. Canadians physically wearing down the Italians. The line-out throw. Canada with possession. And this is classic rugby right here. They just push their way in for the try. Emily Totosi with her fifth try already in this tournament. This game has just gone final, 22-5 for Canada. So they're 2-0. They lead the group at the World Cup, and they will play again next Saturday versus the United States. So they're looking good down, uh, down under, as we say. Are Thank they you. ever. Just need the men to start performing like that, Barry. Sure, for sure. Yes, I agree <laughs> with you there. All right, thanks, Barry. Just ahead, an early start to our election coverage. A look at the top issues, type races, and voter turnout next.
Don't miss the Vancouver Fall Home Show coming October 20th through 23rd. Get real home advice from trusted local experts, get inspiration, and see the latest trends on everything from kitchen and bath, flooring, and more. Tickets at VancouverFallHomeShow.com. BC Cancer Foundation has launched the most ambitious and comprehensive health campaign in BC's history to activate BC cancer experts, advance innovation, and accelerate accessibility to world-class care for every British Columbian. Give today at GoBeyondBeliefBC.ca. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know, it's on the hub. If you want to show, it's on the hub. If you want to go, it's on the Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Well, a little more than an hour to go before the polls close in civic races across BC. We will have results and analysis on our special coverage beginning at 8 tonight on BC One. Streaming services, CKNW Radio and online with a full report at 11 p.m. right here on Global BC. You can even watch it on one of these things. It's amazing. <laughs> we have teams across Metro Vancouver, including in Vancouver where Kennedy Stewart is trying to win a second term. Sarah McDonald joins us live from Stewart headquarters. Sarah, what's the mood like there now? Uh, Chris Sophie, we're waiting for this room to fill up right now. Kennedy Stewart and his team are certainly hoping this is a site of a party later tonight. Whether or not that will be the case, we will find out later this evening. It's a bit of deja vu tonight. Of course, in the last civic election, we saw Kennedy Stewart go head to head with his main challenger, Ken Sim. It feels like we're right back at square one tonight. Almost, of course, in 2018, Stewart narrowly edged out Sim by less than 1,000 votes, 957 ballots. He is hoping that will be the case again tonight. He's now running with forward together. He's also hoping to clinch a council majority. That will be a tall order. He's now had four years in city council at City Hall, uh, and he has a lot of criticism and controversy to show for it. His critics call him ineffective. Stewart says he simply needs more time at City Hall to get things done. Will he get that time? That's the question. That's up to voters. We'll find out tonight. All right, Sarah, thanks very much. Of course, he has some very big issues in Vancouver to deal with. Mm -hmm. And as Sarah mentioned, Stewart is once again being challenged by Ken Sim, this time with his new party, ABC. Ahmad Agahi joins us from ABC headquarters uh, tonight. Imad. Well, that narrow margin Sarah was mentioning is certainly a reason that Ken Sim has been waiting for this night uh, for years now and working towards uh, this night during that time and is poised at the moment and very confident with his new ABC party platform, which, by the way, have a clear uh, task ahead of them, a clear objective ahead of them. They want to take full control of City Hall uh, with majorities on all three levels of municipal governance, whether it's the council, whether it's the school board or the park board. They believe they have done enough to push them across the line. And the polls certainly are favorable for Ken Sim and his ABC party internal polls, even more favorable than what we have seen so far in the public. So will they materialize? We'll definitely be waiting here for results to come in to see if this will be, in fact, a victorious night for ABC of Vancouver and Kensim. Interesting to see when we uh, can actually call that race tonight. Thanks for that, Ahmad. Well, after months of campaigning and controversy in the Surrey mayoral race, Doug McCallum will find out tonight if voters will give him another mandate or not. Kamal Kuramali joins us from Doug McCallum's headquarters tonight in Surrey. Kamal. 
Chris, it's been an interesting four years marred in criticism and controversy for incumbent mayor uh, Doug McCallum. Most notably, uh, he has been charged with public mischief back in December and now faces a trial uh, two weeks from now. Also, uh, he's also drawn the public ire of uh, many who want to see the return of the RCMP here in Surrey instead of the Surrey police force that he did bring in during his time as mayor. So because of those reasons and more, uh, political watchers do have him slipping in the polls to uh, mayoral candidate Brenda Locke. Uh, his campaign really and platform depends on a SkyTrain station uh, or SkyTrain network that he's proposed to Newton. Also a 16,000 seat uh, stadium that he's proposed for Surrey and he's also promised to maintain property tax hikes at 2.9 percent. Also worth noting is that there has been a surge of people to the polls here in Surrey. So a lot of people very interesting in, interested rather in seeing how this uh, what's expected to be a tight mayoral race turns out. Back over to you. Are they motiv motivated by change or are they motivated by the status quo? We're going to find out mm -hmm. tonight. Thanks, Kamal. And as Kamal mentioned, many high-profile uh, campaigns challenging McCallum, including, as he said, Brenda Locke and her Surrey Connect slate. Brenda Locke uh, has been a very vocal critic over these past few years. Uh, CKNW's Janet Brown is part of our coverage tonight and covering the Brenda Locke campaign for us. Janet. Good evening, Sophie. We are at the Mirage Banquet Hall in downtown Cloverdale, and supporters of Brenda Locke are slowly coming through the door, getting the room ready for others coming in, probably shortly after 8 o'clock tonight, putting up posters and placards. The big question in Surrey, without a doubt, has been the issue of policing, not only today for the voters, but over the last four years as well. And the big question is, how will voters decide? Will they go with the politicians who want the transition to move ahead and be successful? Will they go with politicians like Brenda Locke, who's running for mayor, who vows to stop the transition and reverse it? Or yet again, other politicians who are vowing to hold a referendum and give voters the say in what they want. We will certainly find out when the polls close after 8 o'clock tonight. Will definitely be an interesting race. All right, thanks for that, Janet Brown in Surrey. Well, we'll get the results as soon as we can. We're also keeping an eye, an eye on Victoria, where we know there will be a sea change at mayor and council today, with only one incumbent seeking office as a councillor, although a couple of councillors are running for the mayor's chair. Kylie Stanton joins us now from the Capitol with more. Kylie. Yeah, Chris, it's been an interesting four years in, here in Victoria. Mayor and council making headlines often for their bold and sometimes controversial decisions. Everything from taking down the statue of Sir John A. Macdonald outside of City Hall to proposing that the Department of National Defense pay for Remembrance Day celebrations. So you just really never knew what you were going to get. But tonight, what we do know is we are going to see change. And that starts with the mayor's seat. Now, Marianne Alto and Stephen Andrew are both running for that seat. A Along with six other candidates who don't have any experience in a, uh, an elected position. Now, Alto is running on experience. Andrew is running on change. Another thing we'll be looking at are the council seats. Now, with only Ben Isaac being the only incumbent running for his seat, which is pretty secure, seven others are wide open. Now, whoever voters put in those seats, they're going to have a huge job ahead of them. They're tackling some of the issues facing the city, which include crime, homelessness, housing, and rental affordability. Chris? All right. Thanks for that. Kylie Stanton in Victoria. A lot of those issues we're hearing uh, throughout uh, municipalities across BC. Uh, that's true. Affordability, public safety, 
all of those things. We'll keep an eye on it. We also haven't even checked in with Keith Baldry and Richard Zussman, nor Jazz Johal and our political panel, but we've got all of that teed up on the other side of this break. Stay with us. We are at a critical turning point in cancer care and research, but together, our potential is beyond belief. The BC Cancer Foundation has launched the most ambitious health campaign in BC's history. Give today at gobeyondbeliefbc.ca. All right, uh, we have just over an hour before the polls close and uh, our Decision 2022 special begins. We'll, of course, be bringing you results and analysis on this civic election 2022. What are the implications for those who win and those who lose office? Mm -hmm. You can watch uh, here on television, online, and you can listen on the radio. And we've got Jazz Johal, CKNW host, with us as part of our political panel as well. Jazz, welcome to the show. Thank you. We've had a great time, you know, the last six weeks or so uh, on this political panel on my show with uh, Hal Salem, who's a Squamish Nation chairperson, Andrea Reimer, former Vancouver City Councilor, and a well-known name, Mary Polak, a former school trustee, of course, and served many years ago, but also a cabinet minister, so she knows Victoria very well. We've talked a lot on the issues that people have been talking about uh, here in Metro Vancouver, housing, affordability, crime, transportation, and it's been quite interesting, their reaction in regards to some of those conversations. Uh, but at the same time, today, we're going to dissect what transpires over the next couple of hours. You know, a mayor elected here or another mayor not elected somewhere else can have huge repercussions for the region and also the relationship with Victoria as well. All of this is transpiring as, of course, Mr. Eby is expected to be premier very soon. So what transpires here and in Victoria is going to have repercussions. So we'll be following all of that tonight and providing that analysis. Back to you. All right, Jazz, thanks very much. Look forward to your contribution later. Of course, there are many interesting races to watch in Metro Vancouver and throughout the rest of the province. Helping us out tonight is our very own touchscreen wizard. <laughs> uh, we brought him in from Victoria tonight, Richard Zussman at the Decision 2022 Results Board. Yeah, we don't have fancy <laughs> things like this in Victoria, Sophie. So let me show you how it works. This is what we're going to be using a lot of tonight. So I'm going to touch on Vancouver there and you can take a look at the candidates. And we'll be showing you this all night long as the results come in. And I also want to give you a sense of some of those other close races that we're going to be really tuned into. One of them's in the Tri-Cities here in Port Moody, where Megan Lottie and Steve Milani are up against each other. There's going to be a new mayor here. Rob Vagramov is not running again. So we'll be seeing a lot of this race tonight. And the other one that's going to be crucial in all of this tonight as well as Langley Township. Again, we're going to have a new mayor, uh, considering that Jack Froze is not running again, and there are some very familiar names here. Rich Coleman, longtime MLA, Eric Woodward and Blair Whitmarsh are councillors. Michelle Sparrow is a former councillor, and she hopes to become the first female mayor in Langley Township's over 140-year history. So outside of Surrey and Vancouver, Langley Township and Port Moody are going to be some of those key races to watch. I'm sure. All right, Richard, uh, looking forward to... Uh, finding out how that technology works. Hopefully it does, because you never know. You never know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it can be dodgy, but uh, we got it all set up tonight. And, of course, it wouldn't be election night if our own Keith Baldry didn't provide some razor-sharp analysis <laughs> of those results as well. Keith, good to have you with us tonight. Uh, I know this is a municipal race unlike many others in a lot of regions. 
Yes, this is actually probably the most interesting round of municipal uh, elections I've seen in quite some time. I think you have to go back decades to see uh, real competitive races for mayors in the two largest cities in Surrey and Vancouver. Also over here in Victoria, the capital city, as Kylie Stanton just reported, all, only one incumbent remaining on council. Everyone's going to be a newbie and it's going to be interesting to see how they function going forward. Uh, we're going to be covering a lot of councils tonight and votes. One of the things I'm going to be looking for also is an attempt by some uh, sort of Christian right parties and candidates to sort of get a toehold in some school board elections. This is, uh, the argument that it's tough for them to get uh, to elect an MP or an MLA, but with low voter turnout, it's easier to gain entry to some of the junior levels of government. So that's another storyline we're going to be following tonight as well. So lots of excitement ahead. I think we're going to be on together probably three and a half, four hours. I don't think we'll be on late <laughs> as we were last time when it was uh, to the early hours of the morning before we declared a winner in Vancouver. At least hopefully we're not going to well, be on that late, but it's going to be a long and fun night. I feel like you're jinxing it a little, <laughs> a little tiny bit. <laughs> true. But the two of you, uh, obviously, you, you cover um, provincial politics um, most of the time. But you know, we're looking at municipal tonight. But the crossover between the two is great, um, as Jazz mentioned as well. And we saw a lot of provincial involvement, shall we say, in this in, in this year's campaign. Yeah, was there's really a lot of. Go ahead, so, go ahead, Richard. Richard? We saw really interesting endorsements that uh, David Eby, who everyone expects is going to be the next premier, endorsed Kennedy Stewart. We saw high-profile NDP ministers endorsing uh, Kennedy Stewart in Vancouver. That's rare, and there's huge issues here at play, right? Transit funding, uh, as well as infrastructure funding, and the, the relationship between these mayors and the province is a crucial thing to watch, and obviously something Keith and I will be talking a lot about. Keith? Yeah, and it's also interesting to see how many ex-MLAs are running in this election. I think there's a record number as well. Uh, you know, R Richard Sturt in Coquitlam was an MLA a long time ago. But you know, you've got Cash Heed, the former Solicitor General, is seeking a council seat in Richmond. you got, uh, as Richard pointed out, uh, Rich Coleman trying to become mayor in Langley. Richard Lee, the somewhat anonymous, low-profile MLA in Burnaby North, he's trying to seek a council seat in uh, Burnaby as well. Simon Gibson, another former Liberal backbencher, trying to get a seat uh, in Abbotsford. So, And again, Chuck Buckmeyer trying to become mayor of uh, of New Westminster, a former mm -hmm. NDP MLA, and of course Ginny Sims trying to be mayor of Surrey. She's taken a leave from her position as a Surrey MLA. So there's a lot of provincial politicians on the ballot across yeah. the province. And, and Gordy no Hogue. Gordy Hogue is the last one there too. Right, yep. right, right. Okay. Uh, stick around, you guys, because we'll, okay. we'll be talking to you all night long. A reminder, <laughs> polls close at 8 tonight. Results will start rolling in after that. So we hope you'll join us for our special civic election coverage, Decision 2022, right here or on the radio <laughs> or across our many digital platforms starting at 8 o'clock.